to another episode of the TKW Podcast. I'm Anthony Corbo. I'm joined here today with Nick Swall, social media, good tweeter, Trey Teamer. Hello. And Robin Lundberg. What's up, guys? What's going on, fellas? Um, So I wanted to start today with something kind of... Something's been on my mind since uh, since the weekend. It's the, it's the demise of the Clippers... And before we jump into anything with this, I guess, am I right to call it the demise of the Clippers? Are we going to see a big change this offseason? I think we should. Like, I don't think Doc Rivers should be able to just bring this team back again because it's been like five years of just what could have been and something has to change. Like, you can only be so good for so long. Something has to change. I don't know if you trade Blake, if you trade Chris. I think DeAndre is the only guy that's pretty safe. I would say he's the safest. So you got to do something, shake it up, change a little bit, um, grab a wing, a legitimate one, stop signing guys like Luke Grishard and Bob Mute and Wes Johnson, get, get a real upgrade. So you think the core sticks around? I think two of the three big guys have to stay around. I don't think they're going to move Jamal Crawford or Austin. I don't think Melo goes there. I'm not sure what exactly they well, can Blake, do. Blake makes the most sense to trade, right? I mean, the, the problem is with the injuries um, because you, you trade Blake, you still have the, the screen roll and all that space on the floor with Chris Paul and um, DeAndre Jordan because Blake sits in that elbow. Chris Paul is the one who is more towards the end of his career, but I still think he's a, a top-level player. So if I'm the guy in charge, I would try and seize the rest of that window see what I can get for Blake because the, the problem with the Clippers is really everybody between one and five, right? They, they need to upgrade basically every other spot on their roster. So the, the piece that they have that has the best chance of, of doing that is probably Blake Griffin. Yeah, I agree. Do you, are we, we're sure that Chris Paul is going to be there next year? I wouldn't say sure. I mean, he's at the phase of his career where, sorry, my dog is trying to play fetch with me. He's oh. at the place of his career where, um, he has got to be championship hunting and, and ring hunting, and they're not good enough. Like, you know, I, I don't think every time the Clippers lose, it's a referendum on Chris Paul. I think it's more a referendum on the rest of the Clippers because, yeah, we, we know they've had a couple of the other names, but the, the depth of the roster. You know, in today's NBA, I think it's more important than ever to have a, a deep roster of interchangeable pieces. And, and the, the Clippers have the name value at the top, but they don't have that. You know, like a team like Boston, for instance, has that, right? Yeah, they're not they're not superstar laden where we're thinking of them as championship caliber, but they're first in the East because they have a whole bunch of interchangeable pieces. They, they, the Clippers need Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder, you know, guys like that. That's who they need. Right. I mean, that kind of just goes to show it's funny that you go to the uh, Clippers comparison because I'm going right to Doc Rivers here. Just kind of, uh, uh, I mean, the uh, Celtics comparison because I'm just like, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's it's all it's mostly got to fall on him, right? The the construction of the team, the top, the top loading, the you know sacrificing of the bench and everything like that. 
I just, you know, I wonder what he really could have done to build this thing up differently. Like, what what other pieces from the bench perspective and not just that wing that they've been craving for, you know, three years now. Well, it seems like they hunted vets, right? I mean, Paul Pierce and all these guys who are a little bit past their prime. I don't know what was on the table for them versus what isn't. But you, you think about that. That's very difficult to do. To what, not only just be the head coach, but to also be the general manager and uh, yeah, you have to have um, a lot of things break your way, and you have to have probably a lot of experience. Like they're not a, you know, like as much as we're giving Doc Heat, this is not a Phil Jackson situation. He hasn't totally like destroyed the the Clippers and and run them back to the Donald Sterling era, right? But but at the same time, it, it's a team that that thinks it has a championship core. So you you have two options. You have the option of all right, Chris Paul and DeAndre are guys. Let's flip Blake. Let's build up the rest of the roster. Or you have the option of you know what, we're done. This was the end of it and trade everybody for parts and, and start over. And, and I doubt they're doing that in L.A. with a new owner. Right. I just I just don't think they can. I mean, it's just like I mean, we're looking at the Clippers as if they've been a normal team. But when you take a look at their their history, it's just like they have not had you know a competent NBA squad for the vast majority of their seasons of existence. So when they have something like maybe it's not as good as we all thought it was, but it's it's up there and it's something that's competent and competitive i i think they're going to try to ride it out for as long as they can um but the reason why i wanted to start with the clippers on a, a Knicks podcast is just because I, I just have felt like for especially this year the two teams have just felt a little bit tied to me i you know we've been hearing the chris ball to the Knicks uh rumors for a while we've been hearing the carmelo uh the carmelo to the clippers rumors for a while there's been blake to the Knicks rumors for a while is there any any chance that the, any of these rumors really hold any water? Are the Knicks going to acquire Chris Ball or Blake Griffin or both or neither or anything like that? Um, I don't think Carmelo goes to the Clippers. I think the trade value is way too low right now. Obviously, like the trade deadline it was Austin Rivers and Jamal Crawford for Carmelo. I don't know how that would happen. I don't know if Melo necessarily waives his tra- no trade clause for this. Um. I also don't think Chris Paul's coming to the Knicks. And wasn't there a wrinkle where you couldn't, the Knicks could not trade for um, Blake Griffin because they have Derrick Rose? Like, right, so that you can't have the. If they re sign Rose or not. Yeah, yeah. some Chris CBA Paul, rule. Remember what happened with Melo? Those dudes, those dudes are tight, and uh, everyone took a shot. The whole Banana Boat crew had something to say about that. So it ain't going to be Chris Paul. You know, if Carmelo winds up with the Clippers, it's going to be three ways. Somebody's coming to the Knicks via the third team, not Los Angeles, unless one of the parts is from L.A. and one of the parts is from the other team. But it, it's not going to be Blake Griffin to the Knicks, and it's not going to be Chris Paul to the Knicks. It, it's, you know, Austin Rivers comes to the Knicks part of the deal, and, and whoever that third team is that's facilitating it sends a, a late first-round pick to the Knicks for something they get in, in the deal, something along those lines. Yeah. Do you? I'm, I'm curious, Robin, from your perspective, do you have any, uh, any thoughts on Carmelo Anthony and what they should do with him this summer? Uh, well, I mean, that's that's his prerogative, right? I mean, that no trade yep. clause prohibitive. I mean, I think for both parties – now, like, the people have made it out like it's an either-or for Phil Jackson or Carmelo Anthony. I think the Knicks would be better off without both of them. I don't, I don't think this, like, should be – you know, it's either Carmelo or Phil. I, I would prefer if they're both gone. Um, but I think for both parties, the Knicks and Carmelo, it's best to part ways. Now, Carmelo, the question is, is he open to multiple suitors? Because we only hear these big names and big markets attached to him. But what is Carmelo? He's a scoring forward. 
right? You know, he's not solving the Clippers' wing issues. So which teams could really use a scoring for Memphis? Like, that's a team that pops to my mind. Um, Oklahoma City? I mean, like, those are some of the, the Even the a team like that, Miami has been popping through my mind a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean, he could still be useful somewhere, uh, but he's got to... He's got to play that role, and he's got to go into – it's a little late for it, but he's got to go into that Paul Pierce phase of his career, right? Yeah, and you know You say it's a little late. I kind of feel like he could be spearheading it a little bit. You know, I, Paul Pierce jumped in a little bit late, in my opinion, where he's – you know, he had – you know, he went to the Nets, did his thing for a little bit, transformed his game a little bit, turned into that scoring four like we're talking about, and then, you know, burned out with the Clippers, you know, like we've seen this year and towards the end, but – Melo's got a couple of good years left in him. I'm I'm convinced of it. A couple of good, like, not anywhere near top twenty, but you know, a couple of really good years left where he could be a contributor. Um, and I, yeah, I just think that if he if he can pick a young team that he sees potential in right now, he he could play a really big role as a veteran player who can guide this team somewhere. He's never been a leader. He's never talked about wanting to be a leader, but that just might be what he has to be for a young team right now. I mean, the question is, is he, I, th- I think he's matured a little bit, to be honest with you, since his, uh, like, I was around the team a lot during the insanity, and mm. that was a bad situation. That was, like, a legit bad situation, the, the strife between D'Antoni and uh, Melo and trickle-down effect uh, Lynn, you know, and all that. And I don't think Carmelo handled that well at all. Um, a couple of years later, though, he seemed like a bit of a different dude to me. So I, I think he's probably ready. I don't know, though. You can't, un- you can't rewire him. He can't be the emotional leader of the team. It's just not in his personality. He can offer advice. He can lead by example with his play. But he's not going to be the guy that's picking people up by overwhelming effort every game. And he's not going to be the guy who's vocally doing it. Because, I, I mean, that's putting on a front. You're going to have to go. He, the, the best player doesn't necessarily have to be that. Let, let's say it, it was Houston, for instance. Patrick Beverly provides us a lot of stuff like that, right? Where right. you're not going to need it necessarily from Carmelo Anthony. But I don't think he's going to go somewhere and be the leader. I, I think he could go somewhere and be uh, a veteran who gets buckets and, and helps out with some stage wisdom. I think that's fair. I think, uh, yeah, I'm pretty, I, I, I think it would be cool to see him play for a team like, you know, just one of those young up and comers like, like the Bucks or something while, um, while we don't have uh, Jabari Parker playing it for them right now. Like someone to fill in the gaps there and then transition to a different role down the line. Somewhere like Minnesota might even be cool. I don't know if there's necessarily a fit there, but really guiding a young up and comer through uh, through the ropes is an interesting <laughs> career path for him, and I think one that would benefit him pretty greatly. Yeah, you've seen him do that a lot with Chris Epps so far. Like yeah. Chris Epps has often talked highly about how Carmelo has helped him through, just like transitioning from regular life, so to speak, to being a professional basketball player, like I feel like he's definitely helped him and Billy and others on the roster. And the same thing, like Phil Jackson's motivation for Joe Kimno was kind of that leader type thing. But like, obviously that felt right on its face as Noah's now probably the worst contract in the NBA, but it's a similar situation. Um, I want to, so my, my thing here is now, Let's say let's say Melo's gone. They find the suitor for him. What's what's the Knicks look like next year? I mean, it, it's obviously Kristaps' team, but where does everything else fill in the gaps after that? They need a lead guard in the worst way. I mean, when's the, I mean that's the the thing that can make it a little exciting. Somebody that could play, spread it out, and, and 
feed Kristaps on cuts and dives to the rim and pick and pop game and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I, I, I would look for that in the draft, I suppose. So there are guys like that available in free agency. And then you, you have to build around the young. The problem is what's, what's so frustrating is I've been calling for a rebuild for the Knicks for years, right? And I understand that now that they're finally here and they might consider rebuilding, the fans are going to get mad because the fans are like, what has all this other time been? When they haven't been rebuilding, they've just been, been bad. But just because you're frustrated, just because you've been bad for a long time, doesn't mean like rebuilding from the ground up isn't a good idea. And I, and I think it is. Right. I mean, the last, the last two years especially, I mean, the Kristaps situation makes it a little bit different, but it kind of reminds me of the, uh, you know, the Kobe Bryant farewell tour that we saw, you know, a couple of years ago. It's just like biding some time for no real good reason. Uh, you know, they bought and they bought out for a little bit and then it just kind of feels like it's starting to stagnate a little bit. And then I don't really know what it's going to look like going into next year or whenever Melo's contract ends or whenever Melo leaves the team or takes a different role or whatever it ends up being. It's just right now, it just seems like we're we're floating nowhere, really nowhere really to go. We're just kind of coasting on. Until they win the draft lottery in a couple of weeks, then That's draft true. Markel Fultz and it's going to be great. Markel running the pick and pop with uh, KP running some pick and roll with Billy. I'm very excited for that. Yeah, you're a pretty big proponent of the Knicks getting the uh, the number one pick here, aren't you? Yeah, they're definitely going to finish top three. I think they go one. Wow. Well, they, they need they need some kind of influence to hit them that isn't organizational because the organization isn't going to do it right. It's not like management's going to do the right thing. So they need serendipity, and if that can happen, if they can win the draft lottery. You know, the one thing they've done pretty well is um, scout talent. I think they've done a pretty good job of that. Whether it's through the D-League or whether it's overseas, you've seen Hernan Gomez, you've seen some of the guys they brought up through the D-League. They've done a good job of that. So I actually um, would trust their ability to draft the correct player. I'm not sure that I'd trust their ability to develop said player once they get there, but, but actually drafting them, I would say. I think that's a good point. I I really like um, what you said with the, with the European influence because I've been kind of noticing that with the team the last you know this past season especially. But I've just been thinking like man like if they get some good locker room chemistry, a bunch of guys from like overseas, a bunch of guys coming from the same you know maybe not the same areas necessarily, but similar walks of life that could go really well for developing some kind of some team chemistry. And I feel like that takes you pretty far compared to just you know relying on pure talent alone. Low Snicks. Low yeah, Snicks. Low Snicks. Um, so I kind of want to take a look at what. So we're, in, we're officially in the second round now. We've uh, moved on, cut a lot of the uh, cut a lot of the slack from the playoffs so far. Which team do we think is most likely to drop out next year that we've seen in the playoffs so far? Eastern um, Conference, especially. Indiana's got to be up there. Paul George, yeah, because Paul George is leaving. He'll be gone soon. I feel like that—that's the biggest question mark. Is like when Paul George leaves, Indiana's obviously gotta gotta rebuild a little bit. I mean, I feel like the writing's kind of on the wall with what happened with Larry Bird last week. Um, but I, I mean, like I'm I'm wondering like how good a team like Miami will continue to be next year. Uh, you know they didn't make it, but they were close. The when if the Bulls especially are going to drop out, or if Rondo continues to play like this and guide this team to a miraculous reexistence, 
Um, I don't know. I'm just it's it, I don't think it's the Knicks uh, path to walk to get into the playoffs next year. But I just I'm trying to see who can drop out because there's some teams who have gotten really good over this past year. Yeah, I think there's only like five East teams that I would feel confident saying will be there next year. Cleveland, Toronto, Boston, Milwaukee, I feel pretty good about. And obviously Washington. Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, the Bulls you mentioned, there's a very good chance they miss it in the Pacers. Those would be the two. But a lot of times those bottom tier teams do fall. Wasn't it the Pistons the Cavs swept last year? Yep. People thought yeah. them as some up-and-coming team, and now they're looked at as trash. So if you're looking at it from a Knicks perspective – of course, it's not that much a turnaround from where they are now to, to being in the playoffs. I wouldn't even be stunned if, if Brooklyn made a quasi-run at the playoffs if it makes some smart signings in the offseason if they stay healthy. But getting to the playoffs is one thing. Getting to that next level um, is another thing. But to answer the original question, it's definitely Indiana in, in Chicago. I feel like Philadelphia has got to be creeping up, too. Um, they, I mean, they, it still doesn't totally make sense yet, but once Ben Simmons gets there, I mean, the pieces have got to start falling together at some point. I trust the process, man. As long as Joel Embiid can stay healthy, man, that's a that's playoff true. team. But that's a huge if. I like him and Saric, Ben Simmons coming, um, plus whatever they add in this draft. Like, they're a team that should scare you, but not for, like, three years or so until like they're fully hitting on all cylinders. Hopefully they um, just stay healthy pretty much and get rid of Julie Lokofer, who is not good. Yeah. It'd be nice if the Northeast got good at basketball. I would like to see that. You yeah. know, um, it's been a while since the Northeast thrived in basketball. Had, yeah, it's like the Celtics and like the Raptors don't count because they're, they're not part of the country. So they, they can't be part of the Northeast. There's Southern Canada, in my opinion. Then you got Philly, New York, and Brooklyn. Yeah. Ooh. Rough, yeah. rough times. Um, yeah, so we'll just have to. It's, I mean, I think a lot of it's going to be contingent on what the Knicks can do in free agency this summer um, and, you know, who they end up drafting and if that's enough to help them take this next push. But yeah, I think there's, there's definitely. Um, Definitely some guys that could drop off. Definitely some guys I think I see creeping back in. I do hope Milwaukee sticks around, though. Milwaukee, I, I had a lot of fun watching them. Giannis is for real. Yeah. yeah. They got the rarest commodity. I mean, I would put you know some stock in Milwaukee because they've got the hardest piece to get, right? They've already got, So it's easier to build around that, that hardest piece to get. And then Jason Kidd's a basketball genius. Like, you can say whatever you want about the dude personally, but as far as... You know, like, when did the Knicks have their best year? Jason Kidd was on them. When the Mavericks beat the, the Heat in the finals, Jason Kidd was on that team. When Brooke Lopez went down for the Nets, Jason Kidd moved Paul Pierce to, to power forward. Of course, Jason Kidd took those Nets teams to the finals. Jason Kidd knows what he's doing on the basketball court. <laughs> yeah, it's the only thing, the biggest vision of Jason Kidd as a Nick that sticks out to me is him just taking the three and just sticking that leg as far out as it can go to get that foul. Yeah, uh, but that's just that's just what it is. He's got the IQ. Um, all right, so I have a, a pop quiz here. Do we know how many how many ex Knicks players are currently still playing in the playoffs in the second round? Still playing. Still playing. So the Clippers are gone. Clippers are gone. Bulls are gone. I can't do numbers. I can start rattling off some names. I got some names. Ooh, Matt, that's a tough one right off the bat. Yeah, Matt Barnes. Yep. Um, J.R. and Shump. J.R. Yep. and Shump. 
Derek Williams. Yep. Oh, I yeah, gave you on that one. Time. I gave you that one. Give me credit. You did before. Anthony gave me that one. All right. Um, There's three so far. There's three more. All right. So I give the number away. Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings. That's a good one, too. He's got a teammate. Oh, um, He's got a teammate. The, hold on. David Lee. He David started Lee. last one night. One more. A wizard? A one wizard. More. No looking up. One more wizard. I'm not. One more wizard. One more wizard. Not, not Gortat, Bill Wall, Morris, Porter. Uh, who the hell's on the end of their bench? Uh, Is it Baino Udre? He's balding. Baino Udre's on not, the wizard? It's not Baino Udre. He's balding. That's your, that's your last clue. Oh, uh, Jose Calderon's in the. Is he still there? Nope. No, he was on. He was just playing though. <laughs> he just got a. This guy. He was. He was this last player. He was in Chicago. This last player tank season. He's from. Oh dear. He's pre Kristaps. Quincy AC on that team. Jason, uh, or jump shooting white guy. Uh, oh, uh, Jason Smith. Jason Smith. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Tall jump shooting white guy. Flat footed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, so that's that's our current uh playoffs all time Knicks roster right now. Uh State of the- Yeah, Jennings, a bunch of Smiths, uh William, Shumpert, <laughs> Lee, and Barnes. There you go. Bodes well for the talent production of this franchise. Um so the worst performer of them all so far. Oh, wait, 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 Former Nick. Yeah, former Nick Trevor Ariza. Um, so I forgot about him, but okay, so that's that's one. There might be some slip through cracks. I don't know. I don't claim to be an expert. Mike D'Antoni. <laughs> yeah, I think Mike D'Antoni might get M- like MVP former Nick right now. Mike Woodson is no he. <laughs> uh, he's Clippers, right? I got. Yeah. I was watching uh, Clippers Jazz on Sunday and saw like Woodson right close up, and I got really <laughs> sentimental for a second there. He's like, like the best Knicks head coach of the last 10 years. So, I, I looked at him and I realized, I'm like, that, that's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. He walked right out the door. Um, yeah, so uh, best performer so far is probably David Lee, honestly, even though he you know, he started, he got manhandled by uh, Gasol last round, but he's averaging like five and a half points and uh, five rebounds. That's that's something, right? Of, of the ex-Knicks? Of the ex-Knicks, yeah. No, it's got to be a re- Oh, right. Oh yeah, I, I didn't look up Ruiz's stats. I forgot about him. But of, of who I have right here, yeah, he's an important player for them. Yeah. Okay. I'll go with Ariza. I'm gonna say Lee. Lee plays that role, so we'll go with him. I don't know what's going on with Jr. Um, Shump just dunked all over somebody last night. Oh yeah, Shump, Shump had a nice, but he didn't even play for a part of the like no. Pacers series. Well, uh, he was dreadful this season, but when he came in in the playoffs, he's played well, which is you know. I don't know if he found himself or what happened to the benching out them, but it, it seemed like he was awful this season, like unplayable, but he's been pretty good for them in the postseason. You know what uh, Derek Williams' postseason stats are right now? Zeros? No, not zero. Two and a, two and a half points in, in seven minutes? Derek Williams did not play the entire first round. He played, uh, he played against the Raptors and managed to tally one block in three minutes. There you go. There we go. Ooh. There it is, my man. I I really thought he was coming back around when he played for us, uh, you know, last season or if you were considering it the off season or eight two seasons ago. 
Uh, but yeah, I thought he was coming around and, you know, whatever. See ya. I guess that's about the uh guess that's about the trajectory of this team. Let's see next year how many uh good acts But I think I think you know we had a good showing from Robin Lopez. I think we had a little bit of uh, a decent showing from Felton for a second there. Um, Jamal Crawford got hot in game seven. Yeah. yeah, so there there's been something. There's you know, there's been some representation. Once a Nick, always a Nick. Of course. Yeah, of course. Alright, what else we got today? Um yeah, so I don't know. Let's just let's rattle off some playoff stuff real quick. With what's uh, what have we liked so far? What's stood out? Who who do we got? The Warriors are winning the NBA championship. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. Hot take here. Let's what I do. Let's let's talk. Let's talk about the Jazz. Let's talk about something exciting here. Let's. Uh, well, the Jazz have a better chance at a gentleman's sweep than the Clippers did. I would say uh, they ma- they can at least pretend to match up. I mean, if anybody's going to beat Golden State, well, Houston looks pretty darn good. I mean, they can yeah. give them – I think they're probably the most dangerous team in the West. And then, of course, the, still the biggest threat to the Warriors is LeBron. I mean, that's – if. let's put it this way. I think everybody who's reasonable would bet on the Warriors to win the championship. But if you were to be told somebody beat the Warriors, who would you pick? And I think that still has to be the cap. I would say, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I would say the Cavs, but I, I really, God, I felt so much more confident about saying this like three months ago, but I don't want to completely rule out the the Rockets yet. You know, I, I God, I just feel like if, if the Rockets can shoot the way that they shoot against the Warriors, like that's the only way you beat them, right? That's yeah, that's gotta be it. It's kind of just like I, I. It's not likely. It's not even you know probable or at this point for me. But I'm thinking, you know, I think they might have a chance. I mean, for the Rockets to to win four games, what you need two James Harden games, right? Maybe two and a half ish of him, just like 40, 15 assists and whatever. You need Lou Williams and Eric Gordon to start hitting at the same time. Get that to three games, and then just play with house money there in game seven just hope something catches up but i still don't think there's enough firepower because steph curry kevin durant clay thompson Draymond green i know it's silly it it feels unbeatable god damn how did that even happen how do we let that happen you just need two james Harden games one supporting cast game gets crazy and then go into game seven and swing take Take like sixty threes, which D'Antoni would do that if that's the case. Do we have uh, any any chance the Cavs don't make it to the finals? LeBron could retire, I guess. That's really <laughs> the only outcome here. Uh, that's all I've got. Yeah. Toronto wouldn't scare me. Uh, Isaiah Thomas does not scare me. If I if I'm Cleveland, of course. Um, Washington doesn't do anything to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There might be more depth for them to go through, but I don't think there's a team that's going to beat them four out of four out of seven times. Yeah, I think that's kind of right back where we were last year, aren't we? Yeah, I'll take Warriors Cavs three. Yeah, I'm here for it. It's a few new faces floating around, but it seems like uh, it seems like we got another year of uh, of this great battle. Yeah, the Warriors won seventy games last year and added the second best player in the entire world. Well, second I, best 
that, that's arguable, but they added a darn good player in Kevin Durant. Is Kevin Durant better than Steph Curry? Yeah. You think so, for sure? I think he's he's far more efficient. I, I feel like the two most important players on that team are Draymond and Steph. Really? I feel like they, yes. I feel like they can win the championship without Clay or Durant. It's possible. I don't think they could win the championship without Curry or Draymond. I can get behind I can get behind Clay's the fourth best warrior. I could I would say Dre's better than him, Durant and Curry. Kevin Durant at some point last year, I think, like just morphed into this rim protector. Like out of nowhere, he was just defending the rim at like a really, really good clip, and it's just like the dude can do everything. Here's my opinion. Here's my opinion on what what you guys are saying. I think that Kevin Durant is the, is the best player on the Warriors. But that doesn't mean he's the best it doesn't mean that he should be the number one all times and that's what's going to win him the championship i think putting the ball in steph's hands more than anything and like letting draymond do his thing is is your best bet when they're going to be the most important pieces to winning um and then durant is just kind of like the enforcer who's there to make sure that you know nothing is going to break down he just adds layers of protection to their chances uh, but I do. Agree. I think that Durant's the best player on the team. I do agree their best chances of winning lay with Steph and Draymond, though. And you can make an argument for Kawhi over Durant um, and Harden and Westbrook are in that same class, I guess. He's a top five player. I'll put it that way. He's a top five player. I wouldn't say he's the second best player. I think, he's the mo- I think he might be the most efficient player in the NBA, though. Perhaps in history. No, he's not more efficient than LeBron. Like... No, just shoot, shooting about, numbers. Yes, shooting numbers. But LeBron's ability to set other guys up and how many threes come off of his passes, I bet you make him more efficient yeah. as an overall offensive force. Yeah, that's where Harden gets into the conversation, yeah. too, because he's feeding. I think he just had the highest points accounted for per game season ever, which tallies your points and the points generated off assists. So he just had the highest of all time and like no one really talks about that because Russell Westbrook has a bunch of triple doubles I wanted to make the argument that Durant's more reliable than LeBron but then I realized Durant's missed like 20, se- uh, 20 games yeah. a season so don't Bron- ignore that uh, yeah LeBron doesn't get hurt and that might be the most impressive thing about him it really him. is I'm still I'm amazed by that he's played what is this his 14th season yep, drafted no three He's never missed a playoff game. My God. Yeah, hasn't he only missed the playoffs once and that was his rookie season, which you don't really count against him ever. And he's yeah. making all these deep finals runs. He's played like that's my favorite time of year when they get into like these LeBron has played three more seasons in the last five years than everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> had these deep playoff runs. That's insane. It's it blow, that blows my mind. He he could be the best athlete in NBA history, but now I'm just throwing takes around left and right. He's the best player in NBA history, in my mind. Oh, that, 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 that might be a good way to wrap it all up. <laughs> I got these children. I, I'm sure you've seen them. I, I might have to go tend to my family. <laughs> right on, man. Well, I think it's about time to uh, to get this thing wrapped up anyway. Um, all right. Well, I want to say big thanks to Robin for coming on today. Uh, and Trey as well, I guess. And and a quick, and a quick before we go, um, we're having a True Hoop podcast meetup in Manhattan Friday for all of you listening. Um, contact me at Trey Zingas on Twitter. 
we're just trying to get a bunch of the community, the NBA Twitter community together and uh, just hopefully have a good time. Yeah, I I wish I could go. I would be there, but I am in Chicago. Um, but I'm dearly, dearly, dearly missing True Hoop already. Also, also Robin's radio show with Michael Jr. Yeah. <laughs> I will. Uh, well, I got some stuff coming, man, uh, in the pipeline. Uh, both audio, video, multi-platform stuff, podcast coming soon. Oh, awesome. um, Very yeah. excited. And I agree with you on the. Even though I wasn't necessarily like, I'm not going to pretend I was like a hardcore True Hoop cons- um, consumer. I still liked and dug what they were doing over there, and that was one of those ones that made me go. You know, like there's various reasons for decisions, but that's one of the ones that make you go. You realize you're reaching a younger crowd and millennial crowd that's going in the direction of media, right? Yeah. And that that's a cut you want to make. It's a you know, beyond your. It didn't. I mean, I'm a recent True Hoop kind of. Uh, you know, I've I've recently got into it, and I've just been you know the last few months really, really digging what they've been putting out, and that that was a pretty heavy blow. But yeah. Um, I'm excited to see that we're we're taking some moves and that you know we don't stay down for long, right? Yes, sir. Right on. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, you can go follow me at Wish I Was Corbo. Robin, you got any plugs you want to drop? Just uh, yeah, go to my Twitter at Robin Lundberg. You can find all the stuff I'm doing. I was on Sports Illustrated's uh, web show this morning. I'll be on there tomorrow again. Um, I got to stick to sports. Um, coming up Wednesday at eight. Uh, I've got uh, laid off with Robin and Reese every day at three, and like I said, podcast coming soon. But you can uh, check all that stuff out on Robin uh, Lundberg on Twitter or any of those social media platforms. All right, cool. Well, cool. thanks again, guys. We'll talk to you all soon. Later. Thank you. Later.